Welcome everyone to WRPX, your Wrestling Revolution podcast. I'm your host, Antonio Garza, and tonight we have a really, really heavy, heavy New Japan uh, program for you tonight on this beautiful, beautiful Tuesday night in March. We're we finally made it to March, and we did indeed have a lot of New Japan news. Uh, not only do we have the New Japan Castle Attack night one and two during the weekend but we also had a lot of news coming out of it uh some of it are cards for shows that will be taking place in a matter of hours uh we also have participants for the new japan cup and we have one specific big news regarding the championships of one new japan pro wrestling and so i guess let's just get to it Let's start with night one of the New Japan Castle Attack taking place at Osaka Joe Hall in Osaka, Japan. Obviously, um, these cards were six match cards. I think both of them were. Um, yes. And well, I don't know if that was like the best. <laughs> I understand why they did it. They obviously uh, had to break the cards into two shows. Uh, in order to not have long shows uh, for COVID reasons and because probably in a better situation, they would have probably tried to have two nights and just sell a lot of tickets. But what ended up happening is happening is that we had two cards, one of which seemed really, really interesting on paper. But once the execution started, it really left a lot to be desired. And the other card, which was like definitely the strongest card of the two nights and in my opinion i think it kind of delivered for the most part um and that would be night two and we'll talk about it once we get there uh for night one we can start with the opener it was the united empire the team of great okan jeff cobb and will osprey defeating the team of hiroshi tanahashi and tenkoji being tensan and kojima this was uh good okay opener um i enjoyed it i i really enjoyed the united empire right now i liked it, the team uh they all they're all so different from each other so i think it it makes for a really like interesting you know like matches where they can when the match changes style every now and then but uh it ended up being osprey pinning tenson with an oscutter and that was it. Obviously, they're building the Great Okan versus Tanahashi match for the next day. And so they did a lot of Tanahashi versus Great Okan in this match. But that was it. Ten, ten minutes. Uh, and then we had like the a four. Well, kind of like the rest of the card were like all singles matches. One of them was for the New Japan King of Pro Wrestling uh, trophy. So I guess that one isn't that weird or off but like the other four were what they call special singles matches the first one was Tangaloa defeating Yoshihashi and this like this is a match that I could never imagine happening in a big show in Japan unless it was a G1 card match and that happened to be the match 
they ended up having uh, I thought it was I thought it was okay it was good um, I really I'm starting to really like Tangaloa uh, like especially in this match where he wasn't tag teaming you got a chance to really see a lot of like his his work by himself he's developing like a super super strong powerhouse type of guy and he's going against Yoshihashi who has had uh just really good performances ever since um they came back from the covid hiatus and so like the match was it was good uh i wouldn't say it was fantastic or anything nothing you need to go out of your way to watch but it was i thought it was fun um the only i guess the bad thing is at the end the 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 ending of the match saw tamatonga ran down and helped angaloa beat up joshihashi as joshihashi was getting close to hitting karma and so it was a DQ. Well, yeah, pretty much. Um, so, I mean, it was Tangaloa beating Yoshihashi, but with ape shit. But it was kind of like a DQ type of match, just because it ended up with uh, the interference, and that fed directly into Hiroki Goto and defeating Tamatonga. And this is the one match that I was like just super, super disappointed in. Um, when I saw this on paper, I was like, ah, oh, man, Tamatonga and Hiroki Goto could probably have a really decent, fast-paced match, like, full of action, if they get enough time. But they only, they only went less than seven minutes. And I thought that was, like, a big disappointment. Especially because, like, the previous match, Tangaloa and Joshigashi went, like, 13 minutes. And then the, the upcoming match, which was a comedy match, went also 12, 13 minutes. And so I just felt like they could have like shaved off a couple of minutes from each match, giving it to Goto and Tonga, and they could have had like a really good stuff. What they did for six minutes was pretty good. Uh, it was just a lot of action. Um, and I don't know, like they, both guys looked good. It was just like not enough time to really like develop any type of story or anything. It was just like a sprint uh, with Tamatonga like first on top and then Goto and then Tamatonga kind of like and Goto like just trading and exchanging uh, reversals. And that was it, you know. So that match I found really, really underwhelming. Uh, I just thought it had potential. Next up, we did indeed have the New Japan, uh, the King of Pro Wrestling trophy. And the stipulation was it was... Yarotonu, uh, Yanotoru style Texas strap match. <laughs> and, and the the stipulation was pretty much they're going to be tied by their wrists, like strap match. And the winner will be the person who removes the last uh, turnbuckle from the corner. So it's similar to the Texas strap match where you have to like uh, hit the button on each corner. In this case, you had to remove the turnbuckles, but it you didn't have to do it like in a sequence or you didn't have to do it um, like all of them to win. It was pretty much just like who gets the last one. And and so like that was kind of like, in my opinion, the weakest part of the match where Owens removed three of them and then Jano just removed the last one and won. So in that case, it does feel like like an underwhelming uh win but if you consider that jano picked the stipulation then i guess it makes sense 
that it would benefit Jano, uh, and I mean it did. It was kind of like a trick. So yeah, I guess you have to like cut it some slack in that sense. Um, that aside, I thought the match was okay too. Uh, the the wrestling for some reason it seemed like way more serious than usual when it comes to Jano matches. Um. Uh, like the stuff that Chase Owens was doing, it looked good. It looked like he was legit trying to win a match. And so I enjoyed it for what it was, but it's just like not a match that you're going to like. It's a match that I can imagine like a billion people hated just because of of Jano. But I, I don't know. I thought it was okay. Was it third from the top? I don't know. <laughs> See, like, this is one of the things, like, this is the, the thing that I would have totally moved, uh, n even as the opener, uh, and just given it some of this match's time to Hiroki Goto and Tamatonga. That, in my opinion, would have been the best thing to do. Because uh, having this match after the intermission, because I think it was right after the intermission, and, uh, as as a third from the top i think it also annoyed some people i don't know but anyway i don't really care about those people anyway yeah anyway uh the next match was the match of the night that was jay white defeating tomohiro ishii and this was just a fantastic fantastic match uh there was the story here is that uh ishii well white has been going after ishii uh Ishii's riffs and, and I guess that area. And Ishii, who tends to be the guy that it's all like fighting spirit and gets up from, from Germans and all that stuff. Like this was just like a master class of selling by Ishii. He's a fantastic seller and this match had a lot of, of selling. And so it was just mostly back and forward. I mean, white it was like changing uh trading control of the match. And it was fun. Uh, in my opinion, I thought that White looked super dominant in a way in this match because is she being like selling that he's hurt and being like shorter and stockier than than White? White had the opportunity to do like wrestle circles around him in a way that it made him look like he was just playing around. Um, and obviously. Once Ichi got his hands on White, like he would beat the shit out of him. But like when White was uh in control of the match, he just looked like super super dominant, really good. At the end, uh Ishii went for a brain buster and White uh reversed it and, and got the pin. Um obviously with, with Blade Runner. So that was like a really, really good match. I I wish we could get like I wish we could get a third one. Um, I, I do have to say it wasn't as good as the G1 Climax match. I think that was way better. Maybe because that match had uh, certain repercussions. But I thought that, uh, that that one was better. But this was still like really, really good. I, I went with a 9 out of 10. That being like a nine, uh, 4 stars. And I enjoyed it like so much. Like white so far i think he's still my wrestler of the year jay white and ishii i think ishii will always be in my top three like workers of the year 
for sure brawler so i have no complaints and the main event of the night which was underwhelm well okay so here's the thing i can't really say that it was underwhelming because it's an evil match and i don't think a lot of people have hopes or high hopes for evil matches so you can't really say that it's underwhelming but uh, I mean, as a main event of a New Japan show, it was kind of like underwhelming in a sense. Having said all that, I thought it was one of the better evil matches in a while. Why? Because I really, really enjoy the finishing sequence with Okada and Evil reversing, uh, trying to steal their finishers and just chasing their own finishers. This is the 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 evil that i always enjoy especially against okada and that that this is something that i said many 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 months ago um that evil what he needed was just to drop a lot of the dick togo interference at the end and just go for an evil uh reversal finishes sequence and he will like improve like mountains and so like this match had that like they had the evil reversal type of thing. I think at this point a lot of people are just um like jaded on evil and biased and so even if he does improve he like people are not going to like him. I think he's reached that point similar to uh I don't know like maybe like Xbox who like I wouldn't say his Xbox heat but it's one of the wrestlers that they just have like a really bad reputation because, I mean, because, and then even if they improve, people are just not going to give him the chance to show that they improve or they're not going to give him like the, the credit if they deserve it. And I think evil is already at that point. And so I thought this match was one of his better matches, uh, but I just think it's going to be like killed in the ratings from everyone just because of that. Um, obviously there was a lot of interference over in Dick Togo and I also said this before I don't mind Dick Togo's interference when you have a baby face fighting the odds that way which is the reason why I really enjoyed Sanada matches and uh, the Tanahashi matches because in those cases it was a baby face fighting against the odd and then winning and this is what happened also with Okada and Okada looked um, he was like I mean he what I'm trying to say is that Okada, like, was a strong baby face fighting the odds. I stopped myself when I was, because I was going to say that he looked good. But in reality, Okada looks kind of hurt. I don't know if all the tape in his back is a shoot or not, but he looks kind of hurt, kind of slow. I hope he's okay. But, uh, yeah, like, I think he's, like, uh, working through some pain right now. And... Going into the New Japan Cup is not going to be good for him. But we'll talk about that in a bit. Um, the one thing that I want to mention about Okada also is that I noticed with this match and the Will Ospreay match at Wrestle Kingdom that they seem to be trying to, re uh, to rehab the Rainmaker as a super unstoppable move. He like Obviously, he hasn't been doing the Rainmaker for a while. And when he has is to win a big match and it only takes one rainmaker to win again uh he has like the discus rainmaker and a couple of like 
not properly executed rainmakers and those yeah those get kicked out of but like when it comes to the proper proper rainmaker like we haven't really seen anyone kick out of it in a while and he has been winning matches uh with it just using one so i i i got the impression that they're using the money clip right now to try and use the rainmaker only as that one big move for big matches I think they're trying to just rehab the the Rainmaker because during his his fantastic legendary reign of the title and then the Balloon Maker uh, year, the Rainmaker lost a lot of power in the sense that a lot of people started kicking out of it, and so I think they're just trying to rehab that move. Which I mean, by all means, uh, if he doesn't have the championship, it's the perfect time to do so. So it's all good. And that was night one of the castle attack. I thought this was uh, one match aside. I thought this was a considerably weak show. Um, and I mean, the whole weekend, they had a lot of trouble reaching four stars. And and I'm saying that as someone who tends to be quite generous with with New Japan. Um, but yeah, like, they had trouble. I, I'm sure that a lot of reviewers are going to butcher them this for this weekend. But talking about the weekend, let's go into night number two. Also from Osaka Joe Hall. This was the 28th of February, finishing up the month. And we start the show with the team of Tenkoji, Hiroyoshi Tensan, and Satoshi Kojima defeating the United Empire. Jeff Cobb and William Osprey. This was a short match, but it was an interesting match. On one side, you have Kojima pinning Cobb, which is, I think, a big deal for Kojima. Um, I'm really happy that he's getting some, not necessarily wins. I mean, this was a win, but he's not get, no, not always getting wins. But he's just getting some spotlight on him right now, which I really, really enjoy. I love Kojima. And and I think it's okay to pin Cobb. It's better to pin him right now than have him become like like the unstoppable monster. It's okay to pin Cobb, <laughs> especially by Alaria Bekojima. Those those things probably hurt. You know the the lariat packed with truth and dreams and hope. Uh, but the other interesting thing about this match, and more interesting in my opinion is that Hiroyoshi Tensan, like the story against the United Empire is that they've been mocking him and teasing him using the Mongolian shop on him because he cannot use it. And so in this match, after being attacked by the Mongolian shop by Cobb and Osprey for like over and over and over again, he just snapped and he started using the Mongolian shop himself. And so this is tricky. After the match, in the backstage promos or like interviews, Tenson said that he got pushed, he snapped, and he used it. If anyone has a problem with him, like come at him. So that in a way opens up a argument for Cobb or Osprey or Great Ocon to say like, hey, no motherfucker, you cannot use it. Uh, the other thing here is that Tencent is apparently saying that 
this is a different Mongolian chop. This is the true Mongolian chop. And I'm like, bullshit. They're all the same, motherfucker. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here with that shit. And so this could be like, to me, this sounds like New Japan uh, probably realized that they fucked up banning the Mongolian chop from Tencent. And so they just decided to find a cheap excuse to reverse the stipulation. Um, I, I, I don't mind that they didn't DQ him for using it. In my opinion, it was just not that type of stipulation. It's more like a gentleman's agreement. Um, I think that, I think he, he should get reprimanded for using it either by the new Japan office by, I don't know, like, like the perfect thing would have been for him to not be in the new Japan cup. But I think that's already too late. I think he's in the participants. I haven't checked, to be honest. Uh, but he, sh I think he should have been reprimanded. Or if not, this needs to escalate to Osprey or Cobb saying like, hey, like, if you're not going to stop using the Mongolian shop, like, then let's have a match. And if you lose, now you retire or something like that. Because it is kind of like bullshit that he just started using it again. Like, it's just bullshit. Like, <laughs> there's no defending on, like, that specific thing. So, we'll see what happens. At, this, at the end of the day, also, like, it's Tenson. I, like, I'm not going to lose sleep because the stipulation at the level of Tenson uh, was changed or ignored. Um, it's just, like, like, let's not go down this rabbit hole, you know? Uh, next up, we had the match of Chaos versus the Bullet Club. Uh, they defeated the Bullet Club. And the team of Chaos was Okada, Ishii, and Jano defeating Owens, Evil, and Jay White. Uh, so, like, these three matches were the matches that we saw last night. So, they really just kind of continue their thing. At this point, these guys don't really have much to do. Um, because they're not going to start a feud if we're going to a New Japan Cup. And they probably... Like, they just needed to be in the show. So there was nothing for them to do other than to face each other. It was a fun, good match. I have nothing against it. Uh, it was just, like, it was just there. Really. <laughs> uh, next up, we had the first of four title matches of the night. And we start with the IWGP Tag Team title match. The Gorillas of Destiny, Tangaloa, and Tamatonga defeated Chaos, Hiroki Goto, and Joshihashi. This was not one of the better uh, matches for either team, to be honest. I, I think I've seen better of both teams. But it was a good match. I, I enjoyed it. Um, the the Gorillas won after uh, Halo hit, I think it was Goto, with, uh, with a candlestick. And Tamatonga hit the gunstun for the win. I like obviously like one of the problems that people keep saying about uh bullet club is all the interference all the interference man there's so much interference um uh, but in this particular match i actually liked interference or not that i liked it but like i like how they did it and it was just like one quick snap kendo stick shot to the back and that was it uh it wasn't the overplay like gato gets in the ring 
and they're like the the referees like knocked out or just like being blinded and like nine seconds to set up the spot and then whack and then we go into like seven more minutes of of the heels hitting finishers on the already down goto now this was just like they were like doing crisscross they were reversing moves and then smack goto gets hit tamatunga hits the gunson win i i think that was like a really really good execution of an interference so like i didn't even mind it at that point um so i thought it was good uh we had the never open weight title match between tanahashi and the great okan uh this went about 18 19 minutes i i also liked it uh it was, this was a totally tanahashi match uh 100% tanahashi match in, in the sense that okan at some points felt carried just uh because i mean he was working a tanahashi match but i thought okan looked good um like okan to me is starting to to become that type of like on what's the best word to describe him like he's like a dirty type of brawler uh where his moves don't look like crisp and special and he just goes in there and gets into into like a match or brawl like he reminds me of a young makabe or a young um like what was his name like uh I'm trying to remember the name of Albert in Japan. <laughs> I couldn't remember. Uh, but yeah, type of like Albert or or Makabe, that type of like big brood that just gets in fights in in Japan. And so like I I've enjoyed it. I still think the 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 gimmick of the Mongolian uh, character is kind of like way passe like not 2021 but i mean it is what it is it's okay i, I do like the little question mark mask he has it's okay uh but no, I, I thought it was a good match i thought it was i enjoy the tanahashi okan uh chemistry um i think in the same way that i was saying that he's like a brood and all stuff i think if you if you think of tanahashi as this pure baby face you know your your 80s hogan or your inoki then the great Okan is just like that one big brood brawler who comes in and, and tries to beat him up. So I, I really like their their chemistry together. Uh, next up, we had the IWGP Junior Heavyweight title match. And this was obviously changed from Hiromu Takahashi versus El Desperado to, I mean, to uh, El Fantasmo versus El Desperado uh, versus Bushi versus El Fantasmo after Hiromu vacated the title. Unfortunately, once again, um, the match was won by El Desperado in, in and I, I really like this match, but I don't know if I would have liked it so much if Bushi or El Fantasma would have won. And I think that that says a lot about the match and it also says a lot about El Desperado and, and how I like him. Um, because to me, like, El Desperado is, like, one of those, like, guys in, especially in the junior division, who's just, like, so, so fucking good. But he doesn't get the rub because he is one in Suzuki Gun, and Suzuki Gun rarely gets the rub. Uh, two, because he's not as flashy as Hiromu or Cho, who actually hasn't won anyway either. 
uh, but you know about like your Ospreys and your Hiromus and your Shows and your Chingo Takagis and like those guys are like ooh e ah ooh wow and those Parados just you know there he's a, a really good wrestler I think he has a lot of charisma um, and but he just like he just doesn't get the rub and so I was really really happy that he won this match um, and I thought the match itself like it kind of played out to put him in a, in the disadvantaged position to have him be like fighting through through the pain and to win so that was good uh i personally loved that he pinned el fantasmo and abushi so that way in a way uh he has like a stronger claim to the title obviously there will always be the argument that el fantasmo can say like oh you were not even supposed to be here it was supposed to be like hiromu or bushi and and you know and Bushi can be like oh I was I was the chosen one by Hiromu like you were not supposed to be here but at the end of the day like he pinned I think the strongest guy and in the match El Fantasmo actually was the strongest guy um like he was he could, if it had been a singles match he would have won uh just based on on the wrestling uh because he. On separate occasions, he dominated Desperado, and then on a separate occasion, he des uh, dominated Bushi. And it wasn't until the end where like Desperado made a comeback, but like the pins that like El Fantasmo had a couple of near falls, and they were mostly because Bushi was breaking up the pin. Uh, yet El Fantasmo was kicking out of several moves. So there was like definitely like a difference. They were trial definitely portraying El Fantasmo as a stronger guy who would have won if not for a triple thread. And I like that Desperado was just like the guy who kind of worked underneath. And he worked underneath because early in the match, ELP uh, unmasked him and hit a power driver on the ramp. And so he took off like maybe a couple of minutes off from, from the match. And then make his return to the ring. So he was kind of like selling the neck throughout the, the rest of the match. But um, I don't know. I really enjoyed it. Um, it, it was, I always like the Sparado. But ever since uh, he had that uh, finals in the best of the Super Juniors last year. I think a lot of people have been really high on him. And so maybe that's why like he goes he got the rub in this one he is right now three belt eldest Prado. not because he has three belts but he does tend to carry kanamaru's tag belt with him so you know like i'm i'm really happy for desperado this is the first time that he's won the title actually and so to me that, that was great and that was also kind of like part of the story here where you have elp who has been allegedly cheating his way into this position and he's obviously trying to get his first championship you have bushi who had the championship back in 2016 he only had it like for a month like i think it was like 40 days and so he hadn't he hasn't really been the iwgp junior heavyweight champion uh aside from that those 40 days and then you have this brother who had never held the title and so it felt like three guys with three different roads into trying to capture gold and trying to make you know trying to change their 2021 into something bigger and so 
it was like a nice little uh, uh, thing that ended happening like in a matter of two days uh, because we're almost vacated the title like maybe what, one or two days prior to to this match happening and you know new japan managed to to find a replacement or i guess two replacements and make it matter and make it make sense for the next match who is the iwgp intercontinental title match between kota ibushi the champion and tetuya naito who he defeated uh in about like i think they they were about the 30 minute mark. I don't think I heard the the Sanjuhan or Sanjupun. Um Sanjupun Kara. Uh but um they were about there, really close. The storyline be- behind this match is as you've heard, Kota Ibushi has been pushing to unify the IWGP Intercontinental and the Heavyweight Championships into one single world title. Um, and in return, Naito is the ultimate antagonist. And so he wants to take the Intercontinental Champion off from Ibushi for several reasons. One of them, to protect the IC title from and, and the Heavyweight title for that matter, from being pretty much killed and renamed because he was like, I know, I know the, the if you unify the final product is going to be similar to IWGP heavyweight title, but you're probably going to have to change the name a little bit. And I just want to like protect that, the, the titles. He also wants to like, as he said, like I'm the guy who started with the whole double title thing. So I want to be the guy to end it. And so that's why he only went for one title. Why the Intercontinental title? Well, Naito has a long, long history with the, with the Intercontinental title. As much as maybe he and the fans don't want to agree, that is his title. That is the one he is identified with. It's similar to, in a sense, like to Nakamura uh, towards the end of his New Japan run. Like It was the icy title that Nakamura made. And I think that's also Naito's like the IWGP world. I mean, not the world, the heavyweight championship. That's the, the one that you usually think about when you're talking about Okada and Tanahashi and even Omega, I guess, and AJ Styles. But the Intercontinental was like that one that you talked about when you were thinking about Naito and Nakamura and even Suzuki. And so, you know, I think that's also a, a reason why he went for it. Uh, it's just a title that he has a love-hate relationship with. The match, I thought, was really good. It wasn't as good as the Wrestle Kingdom match, but uh, I think also it's just like the matter of this being a, a smaller, uh, I guess, yeah, show and, and storyline. So, uh, but it was like a really good match. I won the four stars with it. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was... Um, a fairly like safe and clean match. Ibushi looked super dominant again. Um to the point that towards the end, like Naito looked desperate to win. Uh, um which is similar to also what happened in, in, in Wrestle Kingdom. It was actually really similar to Wrestle Kingdom, I guess. Um but it was good, it was fun. The, like the one thing about this match is that 
I honestly expected Naito to win and just take the title and break the whole double title thing and continue on with, you know, everyone's life. But Ibushi ended up winning and he retained the Intercontinental. And so the news was made the next day that they are indeed going to unify the world, the IWGP Heavyweight Championship and the IWGP Intercontinental Championship to create the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. Um, I've, I've seen a lot of people be either on the side of hating it and the side of loving it. I personally like this idea. Like, I like the idea of like that. It takes those two titles to make a world title. Uh, it just feels like a legit world title, like a big deal. It's not like some bullshit thing that you make up, uh, and you put a red strap on it and finally it, it just out of nowhere becomes like a legit world title. No, no, no. Like this is a legit world title unified from two really, really strong titles. I think the, the IWGP heavyweight, the lineage goes back to the eighties, uh, which is another thing that I'm going to talk about, uh, because I think what most people are hating about this, is that they're going to start a new lineage. Ibushi is going to be the first champion of such lineage. Uh, so that in a way will end the history of the other two titles, uh, with Ibushi. And so you have all the, the history gigs, just going like, oh, why would you, why would you stop the lineage, the history, my nostalgia, um, which I guess I totally understand. People just live and thrive because of the history and not because of making new history. I personally like don't care about that stuff. I I'm happy to have a new championship that uh, you know, we can see. Ibushi started and try to like start a new era and and let's see who takes it and and now this in this in a way is going to like push Tanahashi and Okada to try and be part of that belt's history now and and so I think that's that's cool that's 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 a good way to start because now you have a really different motivation for certain wrestlers to to try and capture that title before they retire you know in Tanahashi especially because he is older I don't think he's necessarily close to retirement but I think he is uh, on his way like away from the the championship the main championship I mean obviously right now he's a never open weight and so I I, I don't know I, I think it's good uh, another reasoning is one less title in New Japan. Uh, I think, like right now, I'm liking the idea that the U.S. title will stay in New Japan strong. I hope that's the case, uh, just not in the hands of Moxley. Uh, but like with this, with mer with the merging of these two titles, that's one less title in the promotion that can allow the never open weight and the junior heavyweight to like shine a bit more um because i mean they do have a lot of championships like right now the, the trio styles feel completely lost i think we've seen just one, like one match in a long time so the less titles sometimes the better and in this case i don't mind just getting rid of the intercontinental 
Uh, because really, that's what's happening. We're getting rid of the Intercontinental. That's about it. Um, so I don't know. I'm 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 looking forward to this. I don't mind. I just hope the title design is as beautiful as the current championships. I, actually, I I wish it would just be the same thing with but add world the 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 word world somewhere in there maybe. Um, but yeah, and the first wrestler to challenge for that title will be the winner of the New Japan Cup. Uh, but before we get there to the New Japan Cup, we had the post-match happenings of the night two of Castle Attack. And that was that El Desperado, fucking El Desperado, came out and challenged Ibushi to a match at the anniversary show. Which he accepted, yeah, this has become like a tradition now that the junior heavyweight and the heavyweight fight at the anniversary show and hey like i have the title you have the titles but here's the thing like i i want to you know like i want to have the match uh many many years ago when i debuted the first time that i challenged uh for the junior heavyweight championship was against ibushi and he lost against Ibushi. And he said, like, I've never really had many, many title shots for the for the big shot, like for the big title. Uh, and I just want this match. And and so Ibushi was like, I perfectly remember that match. And he straight up said, like, the year. And he was like, and you know what I remember? I remember that you sucked. <laughs> And so this, but I was like, yeah, like I did, I did suck, but now it's like 2021 and I'm going to show you that I can beat you. And so fucking El Desperado, man, like he now has, he now has like, uh, he's now a main eventing, you know, the anniversary show. And I'm so fucking happy for him. Like he's so fucking awesome. And hopefully people will now realize that he's awesome. Uh, and so that, that brings us to the anniversary show. Like we have a full card. This is the 50, 49th actually, uh, anniversary show next year will be 50th and this will take place on March the 4th. So just two days away at Budokan hall. Um, the card will be Masaruato, Gabriel Kidd, Tomoaki Honma and Hiroki Goto versus Taichi, Minoru Suzuki, Zack Sabre Jr. And Doki. That is the opener. We have Tanahashi, Juice Robinson and David Finley returning to Japan. Toa Genare also returning to New Japan because he's been off for a while. And Ryusuke Taguchi versus Evil, Kenta, Chase Owens, Jay White, and Taiji Ishimori, uh, the Bull Club. And then we have two first round matches for the New Japan Cup. This is a new thing, but I think it just makes sense to build this card uh, from it since this card really has no build at all. Um, there, these two matches will be Tetsuya Naito versus The Great Okan and Satoshi Kojima versus Jeff Cobb. So, like, in this, I'm expecting Cobb to get his win back. And the other one, I can imagine Naito's going to advance. But, um, I don't know. That's one of those matches where I can totally also see the Great Okan getting the upset win and, and eliminating Naito early on. I think, I feel that Naito's direction after the New Japan Cup will be... uh against the United Empire. 
where I think we will potentially end with Naito versus Osprey at Dominion. So I'm calling it right now. I think we're getting Naito versus Osprey at Dominion. And Naito going through Greater Khan right now and maybe over Jeff Cobb, uh, maybe around Sakura Genesis or Resident Dontaku. And then do Osprey at Dominion, I think would be the best way. Unless they, they unless they have like a different plan for Naito, they could do, I guess, Osprey Naito at, at Sakura Genesis. Mm, yeah, I think so, yeah. Or, I mean, maybe the bigger plan is for Osprey, not Naito. <laughs> but yeah, like, I think, I think we're heading into Naito versus Osprey, either at Dominion or Sakura Genesis. Um, and the main event of the show, as we said, Kota Ibushi versus El Desperado. My notes say it's a special singles match. I don't know if they're, the titles are going to be, or I mean, the title, the titles or titles going to be on the line. I don't think any titles in the line. Uh, they they never are, so it, it wouldn't make sense. Uh, but nonetheless, I mean, Ibushi versus El Desperado. Like I was, I was really really hoping for Hiromu versus Ibushi. That was just gonna be crazy. But uh, I have no problems watching Ibushi versus El Desperado, especially if El Desperado is just gonna go all out, like in the best of the Super Juniors. I think it has a lot of potential. So that is going to take place in two days. Um, Last week, I mentioned that I was going to do a mini episode for Stardom's Budokan show. Um, I'm still hoping to get that show like really early tomorrow. I mean, I'm still not going to be able to put it in this podcast that you're already listening to. But uh, I, if I if I manage to watch both shows uh, really quickly, then it may be like a double header mini episode showcase for both the anniversary show and the Budokan. This show, like the anniversary show, is considerably short. It's uh, five matches and two of them are multi-man tags. So it, it should be like a considerably easy show to watch. Uh, so I think we can totally pack it in along with the Budokan Storm show. And the final thing that we just need to go over with New Japan is the New Japan Cup participants and the first round matchups revealed. Um, we have a a big, we have a big, uh, a big bracket system right now. Uh, the shows will start on the, like we said, on the 4th of March and the big ending, the big new Japan cup finals will be on the 21st of March, the first day of spring, you know, what a perfect way to start spring, but with a new Japan cup where William Osprey defeats evil you know or whatever anyway but like here are the participants and matchups so uh we have kenta versus juice robinson so they have they have like a history with the u.s title minor suzuki versus holma that is going to be interesting and hopefully not scary well not scary for holma like suzuki's super safe shingo takagi versus kazuchika okada that is a huge opening match and so like the thing here is like Okada promised that he was gonna win the cup at the castle attack post match promo, but if Okada is legit hurting and cannot go like properly as like the main guy to chase the title, 
losing to Chingo Takagi is not a bad move. Just imagine giving Chingo that that rub, like beating Okada in the first round. So it's not bad. Like the the thing about the New Japan Cup is that every now and then they do eliminate a big name really early on. And so that could be Okada. Like I I don't I don't think it's out of this world. Then we have uh Taichi versus Goto. So just going back up, the winner of Juice Robinson Kenta would meet the winner of Suzuki and Honma, and then the winner of Okada and Takagi would meet the winner of Taichi and Goto. Then we have Toriyano versus Bad Luck Fale. Uh the winner of that match would go against the winner of Naito and the Great Okan, as we mentioned. And we have Satoshi Kojima versus Jeff Cobb. And the winner will go against Ebo, who has a bye pass for the first round. And that is one side of the brackets. We go to the other side of the brackets where Hiroshi Tanahashi will also get a bye and face the winner of Toa Henare and Jay White, which I'm guessing is White. And I'm guessing White eliminates Tanahashi too. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we go... All the way with white to be honest again um then we have yuhiro takahashi versus joshihashi uh and the winner of that match will go against the winner of david finley and chase owens i don't know why uh new japan always leaves that corner of the new japan cup like so so weak <laughs> but uh there is white it's such an interesting thing because like I would imagine White advances, but then he has to face either Finley, Owens, Joshihashi, or Yuhiro Takahashi. All of them sound, I don't know, maybe Joshihashi or Finley could be interesting. Uh, I mean, White and Finley does do have a history. Uh, and then the other quarter part of the brackets, we have Sanada Inishi, which should be good. Facing against the winner of Jota Suji and Juji Nagata. I imagine it's Nagata. So we may get Ishi Nagata probably. Or Sanada Nagata. Um, I mean, Ichi, Ishi Nagata sounds like the type of thing that New Japan loves to do. But I cannot see Sanada being eliminated so early. And then finally we have Zack Sabre Jr. versus Gabriel Kidd. In a battle of the Brits. Uh, facing, us, facing off against the winner of Tenson and Osprey. So Osprey can beat the shit out of Tenson for using the Mongolian shop. And if that is the case, we may get some Sack Saver versus Osprey action, which I will always, always love. Uh, some of this stuff seems kind of predictable. Like, for instance, in that Osprey Gabriel Kid Sack Saver stuff, I would imagine they're going to build to Sanada versus either Osprey or Saver. I have to imagine it's Osprey who comes out of the whole thing. Um, and the other one, we have only White and Tanahashi as the real contenders. So we may build to... Um, maybe they're going to do White versus Osprey or White versus Sanada again. Um, probably. On the other ones... I think the winner, like Okada, Takagi, and Kenta, to me, seem like the, the credible parts of that corner of the brackets. Um, I I wouldn't be surprised if they build to Takagi versus Kenta if Okada gets eliminated. 
but I think it's just going to be Kenta versus whoever wins. I hope we get Suzuki versus Kenta. That would be fucking awesome. <laughs> and in, in the first corner, um, we have Evil, we have Naito, and we have the Great Okan. I have to imagine it's going to come down to Naito versus Evil as that quarterfinal. Ugh. Yeah, I think we're heading into another Naito versus Evil match. Unless, like I said, uh, Okan defeats Naito for some reason. But that is the New Japan Cup. Um, I don't know. Like, There's always some promising stuff. Usually when it comes to the New Japan Cup, the first rounds tend to be kind of weak because we have, you know, your Sujis and your Gabriel Kids and your Tensons and your um, Chase Owens. But as a match, as a, the brackets start to to progress, they tend to be like really, really good shows. And that is all of the stuff we have for New Japan. Um I did watch DDT into the fight 2021. Uh, there's really just one match that I would recommend, and that would be the, the DDT Extreme Championship Kids Room Sauna Count Edition Death Match, uh, where Shuna Katsumata defeated Mao in a fantastic, fantastic match. Um, like for a match where they were, they were using just toys, it was so fucking brutal. Um, like Katsumata was bleeding from like just scratches all over the place uh and mal i mean mal is just a, a great wrestler i i really enjoy mal so um i would say definitely go watch that match i mean the whole show was good uh the previous match saw eruption because higuchi and Juki sakaguchi team out with brooks to defeat uh junretsu which was akijama okatani and oishi uh we saw the team of Damnation, Somatakao, Tetsuya, Endo, and Juji Hino defeat the team of All Out, Akito, Konosuke, Takeshita, and Yuki Hino. And after this match, uh, Akito proposed to Takeshita, Ino, and Shunda Katsumata that they should disband All Out. They all reluctantly agreed. And so we're going to have a, a, an All Out farewell show soon. Uh, the argument was that Akito is just focused on the trio titles right now with people who are not in all out uh takeshita and and katsumata are focused on the sauna club with mao and bueno and yuki you know he's kind of like he he doesn't really have a group but he has been doing okay according to akito by himself so it really just felt like Ino is the loser of the whole thing but yeah all out seems to be done um which is sad. It's a, it was a good team, good fun, fun team. Uh, we also saw the team of Disaster Box, Harashima, Turowashi, and Juki Onaya, uh, beat Daisuke Sasaki, Matt Pauly, and Nobuhiro Shimatani from that nation. After Harashima uh, beat Nobu with Samata, uh, we had the big DDT Ironman Heavy Metalweight uh, Championship match. Uh, this was originally a five-way where the Young Bucks' book, the Killing the Business book, was going to defend the title against Antonio Honda, Don Shokudino, Kazuki Hirata, Saki Akai, and, and that was it. But then a later contender arrived, and that was Saki Akai's photo book from 2006, I think. <laughs> uh, lip, hip, shake. And... And Saki Akai's book defeated the Young Bucks book uh, to win the, the, 
the title and so now Sakia Kai's photo book is a champion uh this was obviously your second match of the night which is a bunch of comedy and it was I was fun I enjoyed it <laughs> there's a lot of farting uh electricity uh jokes which I'm not the biggest fan of but there's a lot of other stuff that I was a really fun app so it's, it's good and the opener of the show was uh Keigo Nakamura and Yuki Bueno being defeated by Toy Kojima and Yusuke Okada when Okada pin Bueno. Um, it was a it was a really really good match. Uh, just straight up good wrestling. Okada pinning Bueno meant that Okada made the challenge for the Universal Title from Bueno. Uh, I don't know when that's gonna happen. I think it's gonna happen also like in two days. Uh, and but it kind of seemed that uh Bueno allowed himself to be pinned so that he could get the match with Okada or something like that. So, I don't know. It was a good match. It was a good show. Uh, I just felt like it's not necessarily like go out of your way to watch because it was a packed weekend and we have like two, three, four big shows coming up to this week. So, it's understandable not to have time to watch this. But, I mean, if you're down for it, watch the, the main event, the, the Kids Room Sonic Count Edition Deathmatch. It was just really, really fun. Uh, totally recommended. But that is it for Japan. Uh, last week we did preview the Budokan show for Stardom so like I said I will try to get that and the anniversary show done in a mini episode uh, throughout this week but for now since we're done with Japan we gotta go to the states and yes you know it you want it it's the Impact Traffic Report Welcome everyone to Impact Wrestling Impact Wrestling from March the 2nd. Ooh. First off, really quick. Uh, they, they've started doing this uh, BTI show before the show. I mean, I think it's called Before the Impact. Uh, so just really quick, James Storm beat Rohi Raju. I honestly didn't watch all of the match. I was preparing for, to write the, the recap. Uh, but I did like had it on on the screen. So I just noticed that. He beat him, so I, I figure I, I would mention it. Uh, but into the show, um, the show started with Ace Austin defeating Black Taurus and Chris Bay in the X Division number one contendership match. Uh, last week, they these three guys fought Trey Miguel, Josh Alexander, and Willie Mack in a, in a six-man match, and whoever won would pass on to this match. And the winner of this match was going to get a shot at TJP's... Uh, a TJP for the exhibition title. And so Ace Austin won. The match uh actually the match portrayed Taurus as a super strong guy, but then since Bay and Austin are both heels, they just kinda like team up and and defeated. Oh, I mean they took out Taurus and then the match continued. Black Taurus came back, he almost won, and then at the end, Ace Austin kinda like stole the win when Mattman Fulton Matt Fulton uh tripped Chris Bay. And so that was it. The, my one takeaway from this match is that I would really, really love to see Ace Austin and Chris Bay be a tag team. That would be so fucking great. Because they were doing like just fantastic tag team stuff here in this match. Um, but unfortunately not. They actually seem more to be like in a in a rivalry now that uh, Fulton helped Austin defeat Bray. 
but yeah, so we're gonna be getting Ace Austin versus TJP at Sacrifice. So I mean, that should be fantastic. Um, Gia Miller interviewed Jazz and Jordan Grace about becoming the number one contenders. Uh, they were just kind of like uh, talking about you know ODB and all that stuff, and then Fire and Flavor approached them, and they kept arguing uh, until G Jordan Grace said like you know what i have a match right now with diana parasso in the main event so i'm gonna go ask him to add kira hogan to the match so you you know we can all uh deal with her issues personally and so that happened and yes she did get added to the match uh backstage we saw um mike myers uh <laughs> uh brian myers uh Talk to Matt Cardona. Matt Cardona is going to be the special guest referee for the for the Myers versus Eddie Edwards match later tonight. And so Myers was just trying to be like, you know, nice and trying to play the whole we've been tag team partners forever. You know, you should like hint, hint uh, you know, side with me for that match. And Cardona's like, nah, dude, I'm going to call it right down the middle. You know how I am. You know, you got to be professional. Uh, we had Tennille Dashwood defeat Havoc. Uh, this wasn't really much of a match. It was okay. Uh, you know, it's okay. Um, the, the match, obviously when it comes to Tina Dashwood, it's usually that she, she doesn't like the, the baby face, I guess, uh, has control for a while. And then Caleb with a K interferes. Dashwood goes hard for a while. And then they the babyface makes a comeback, but at the end, Dashwood tends to end up winning for one way or another, mostly Caleb with a K. And so that was really what happened in this match. Uh nothing out of the ordinary. I thought like I thought the match was okay wrestling wise, but it's kind of like the same thing we've seen many, many times with, with Tanil at this point. Um she just keeps antagonizing people. So, you know. We had a promo from Sally Callahan. He was broadcasting from the Skulls and Bones school um, where Trey McGill. I don't know if he trains or if he is like one of the coaches, but uh, he was there. And so he just talked talk trash about Trey McGill. He beat up some of the staff and trainees. Uh, he trashed the place. He got in the face of the, the head trainer or head coach of the place and he kicked his ass. And at the end, he seemed to try and recruit one of Trey Miguel's uh, students or, or like just trainees uh, before leaving. I thought this was a really good angle, but they had like they had this like stupid hacker like video overlay in production over the the promo. So it's just it just comes as like super kind of like hokey and annoying, and and it tarnishes like a really good angle, you know, because he's. He's not only attacking Trey's uh, gym, but he's also like trying to recruit one of his guys. So I found I thought like that like looked really interesting, but I don't know it's like it's a the fucking hacker production. <laughs> it's just annoying. Um, we saw TJP hanging out in Swingers Paradise when Ace Austin confronted him, and he was just like, "Hey, I'm gonna go against you," and and then uh, Chris Bay showed up, and he was like, "Yeah, you only won because." like Fulton interfered. And so TJP in his like terrible acting capacity tricked them into having a match between them. So we're going to be having Ace Austin versus Chris Bay next week. And that sounds awesome. 
but yeah, like I said, I was really hoping for Bay and Austin to be a tag team instead. <laughs> Hopefully one day. I'm going to tweet on them. Maybe they'll, they'll want to. Uh, we had a promo from Violent by Design uh, last week. Diener lost to Jake something in the tables match. Diener had said, like, if I lose, uh, I will be punished. And so this was just kind of like the punishing video. And it was just um, Joe Doring beating up Diener behind a wall that we, I mean, we heard the noise, but we just didn't see it. It was okay. Uh, like, Diener took the, and accepted the punishment. So. I thought this would this could have like given us hints of a babyface turn. Like I said last week, I hope it doesn't happen so quick. Like to me, Diener shouldn't turn for at least a year, or like, yeah, like unless they're going to continue to take something storyline right now, and then they can do like the whole finish like one month in. Uh, I think he'd just take heal, and so. I think this is it for the whole punishment thing and then just let them start I don't know like doing something I I that that is one of the things where I feel like they should take the titles off the good brothers and just give them to uh I don't know who but a babyface team that can defend against guys like Eric Young and Diener uh at any given point, at any like little impact plus special, to get uh to give guys like these like something to do, because um, otherwise like I don't know like it kind of feels like Eric Young is back to like not doing much, and Joe Doring he's like fucking amazing he's really not doing much, so I don't know we'll see where this goes. Uh, we got our weekly AW commercial and this time there are there were actually like can actually put into uh, impact over a little bit by saying like impact and new japan and, and aw we're all in the same team uh obviously aw is calling the shots but like we're all in the same team and and then they helped up uh the Chuck and paul white and uh and revolution that's happening this this weekend too so it was, it was okay, okay. uh we got a promo by moose and it was really really fucking good uh, he was talking about how he held the TNA World Championship for months and he defended the title. And even if it wasn't recognized by Impact because it's called TNA, like he legit held the title and he defended it like many, many occasions against a lot of people. And he kept the title. He never lost it. Um, and so now... Like, he didn't have anything against Rich Swan, but he just happens to be the champion that is recognized by the promotion. And so he's going to go and beat him so he can claim. And no, there's, like, no doubt that he is the real world champion. So, great promo. Like, this storyline with Moose for the last year has been so fucking good. It's a crime that, like, not all people watch it or it doesn't get the recognition, but it was, it's been so fucking good. This, this storyline, uh, we had the, the big marquee match that, um, got promotion. Uh, this was the good brothers and Finn juice. Uh, so Anderson Gallows, Robinson and Finley defeating the team of triple XL, Ace Romero, Larry D and Reno's come luster, the legend and Adam Thornstow. So it was a eight man match. This was pretty much a squash. Uh, 
the story of the match was that the group brothers and the Fiend Juice just kept antagonizing each other, trying to steal each other's uh, uh, tags, trying to show off and one up each other, like uh, hard tags, you know, with the slaps and all that stuff. And and that was really it. Uh, like there was one minute of heat at the hands of of Reno Scum and Triple XL over Finley, and it was all to build to Finley just like quickly kind of escaping them, dragging himself to the corner where Gallows stole the, the attack from Robinson. And so Gallus could go in and be the one who won the match uh, with a magic killer over Thorsto. And that was it. Uh, it was totally a squash, but it was a really good and productive squash. That is the thing about this match. It was like a really, really good and productive squash to put the heat between the brothers and Finn Juice, who at this point had just been like, uh, you know, talking shit to each other, but that, nothing beyond it. So I thought it was a, a really productive squash. Um, we now had a video package for Rich Swan also cutting a promo, and he's talking about moves, about being a fake uh, world champion, walking around with a dead title, and he knows he that Moose is stronger and faster, but uh, Moose doesn't have the the fire and determination that Swan has. So it was it was an okay promo. I personally liked uh, Moose's promo way better. Um, yeah, but I mean it was a good, okay promo. Uh, then we we got the backstage confirmation that the Group Brothers and Finn Juice just like are fighting about like the uh, I mean they're just fighting. They're, they're exchanging words, and it ends with. Um, Anderson making the comment that they should go back to carrying their bags around. So Finley's like, "Well, maybe the things we should be carrying around is the world titles instead of you guys." And so Guy will say, "Like, well, here comes sacrifice. Let's do it, you guys and us. Titles on the line." So we have the Good Brothers versus Finn Juice at Sacrifice. And so at this point, Sacrifice is just turning out to be like a really strong card this is actually a card that i was expecting to kind of get at heart uh wait no it's not hard to kill at rebellion uh or i guess part of a hard to kill because i expected moose versus one at a bigger pay-per-view but i mean we have to fucking include stupid omega and i mean gallows versus finjus is a big match uh, TJP versus Ace Austin is a big match. So I'm surprised that Sacrifice just ended up being such a strong, strong card. Um, next up, we had the Eddie Edwards versus Brian Myers match with uh, Matt Cardona as a special guest referee. Eddie Edwards won via DQ when Myers loaded up his elbow. Uh, the match was okay. I mean, it was good. It was just like kind of like uneventful. It was like super, super formulaic. I, I got kind of bored at it. I was kind of hoping that there was going to be a finish where Mark Cardona, like, maybe benefited uh, Myers for the win and made Edwards doubt that Cardona had benefited his his old buddy. But instead, it was just like a straight-up call down the middle. Uh, Myers tried to cheat, and Cardona saw it, and so he got the cued. Uh, so, yeah, like I don't know where this is going to go, to be honest. I'm, I'm guessing more Myers versus Cardona stuff. Um, so, I don't know. 
I'm 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 starting to get like really tired of this feud because they're not these guys are they're really good but they're not given the time to like go all out. So we'll see if they get a match at sacrifice, but I don't know. Like I just I just want a, like a good lengthy match between Edwards and Myers. That's all I want. No Hernandez, no Cardona. Uh, just like a long match between the two guys. Like give him. I want to see like a 15 minute minimum match between these two guys just to build like a proper, proper story. Uh, we then went into the main event where the knockouts champion Diana Parasso defeated Jordan Grace and Kara Hogan in a triple threat match three way non title. Obviously, this was a, a great, great main event. Uh, all the women were fantastic. Uh, this was like similar to the opener where you had the two heels teaming up against the babyface for a while, but in this match, like the uh, Kira Hogan and, and Parasso didn't like team up for much. Uh, they just like took out Grace early on, and then they just went into it. And for the rest of the sh the match, it was just mostly like three person, three women spots. Uh, it was really. Like the 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 stuff where they like take so out someone and then two people pair up, it was done like super super minimum. Um, I think we only saw like once, and it was like super short. It was mostly just like the three women going at it, and because of the three women in in the match, particularly like it was super fun because you have Jordan Grace, Grace, which which uh, who is a powerhouse. You have Kira Hogan, who is like the speed uh, kind of high flyer. I wouldn't say high flyer, but like speed and does like the planches, the top rope stuff. And then you have Diana Parasa, who is the technical submission specialist of the three. And so you have like a really, really cool interaction where like Parasa kept going for submissions or for, for the Fujiwara armbar. But then you had Jordan Grace, who was just like slamming people and like clubbering them. And then you had Kira Hogan, who was doing like the dives and just running around and dodging and, and, and all that stuff. And so it was a really, really good interactive match with the, uh, between the three. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, throughout the match also. So throughout the match, we saw Purasa go for the Fujiwara armbar uh, several times. And at the end, it was her who stole the win on when she rolled up Jordan Grace after Grace went for the Bader bomb on Hogan, but still spooled Hogan off the way. And so, like, Grace kind of, like, crashed and burned when she got up. Like, Parasa was ready for the schoolgirl and the win. And after the match, we saw ODB come out and get in a fight with Parasso, and she made her intentions clear. She wants the title, and so we're also going to be getting ODB versus Diona Parasso at Sacrifice for the title. That match, we saw it coming like miles away when ODB returned, and that was obvious. So, I mean, if, no, if you didn't see it, then you were not paying attention. And that was the show. I thought it was an okay show. Uh, there were some parts like... Like uh, between after the Good Brothers squash and the main event, that whole section kind of felt like super long, super slow. Uh, I partially blame the Eddie Edwards versus Brian Myers, Brian Myers match that just didn't do much for me. Um, but beyond that, I thought the show was really good. We started with a good opener. We started with a we ended with a good finish, a good main event. 
Uh, we had a good squash match. And, you know, like some interesting storyline developments. We're, we're building uh, Sacrifice, which is in two weeks. And so there we have like little things here and there, like already in place. I, I think it's good. I, I, I still have zero hints on the direction for uh, what's called Rebellion again. And so... I don't know, like, I'm not even thinking about that. Like, before I used to start thinking about Rebellion or the big pay-per-view, like, really early on. But this time, like, Sacrifice is so strong that I'm not even thinking about Rebellion. Um, I mean, we know from we, what we talk about New Japan, Finchus are heading back to Japan for the New Japan Cup. So, I'm guessing they're going to lose the match here. Um, but they may not continue the feud i don't know what's going to happen i don't know if they're going to try and come back for for rebellion i don't know what's going to happen there but i don't know like i thought it was a, a good show over, overall fun fun show and that is it for this week uh it was just like so much new japan this week that uh i, I didn't really have a, a lot of time to talk about other stuff but like i said like we're we're, we're gonna talk stardom and, and probably new japan again uh, later this week again hopefully if everything goes correctly uh, but that is it for this week i hope you enjoyed it uh go to twitter to dw revolution where you can find this show and all the tweets that i do well mostly retweets <laughs> uh, just talking about drama you know because some sometimes like bad people try to take advantage of good people in the internet and the internet has to fight back so that's happening on Twitter. You can also go to iTunes and Spotify where you actually will find this this uh, podcast and all the previous shows that we've done. And, you know, leave a review, leave a subscription, a like, a thumbs up, a heart, whatever they, they have. And because everything helps, you know, to get the show out there, share the show with your friends and, you know, play it on the radio. If you go out for a bike ride, you know, play it on the, on the headphones and finally you can go to dwrestlingrevolution.com where you can find the reading versions of all the shows that we talked about this week and in particular for impact you can go to a figure 4w online that's uh, f4wonline.com where you i do the the impact recap um weekly every tuesday live so you can always always go there and check out what's happening at the time and that is it. It was a long, long show. And thank you for being here. I really appreciate it. And I will appreciate it more if you take care of yourself. And we talk again later this week. So, you know, enjoy. Adios. Well, that's about it. Son of a gun, we've enjoyed it. Looking forward to next week. I guess we'll have to wait a week before we get to it, but we'll be right back again. For Corey Macklin, Dave Brown, Lance Russell saying bye-bye, everybody.